Folks, this episode of Fresh Hop Cinema is brought to you in part by one of our favorite local watering holes, The Handlebar. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, and they have a killer happy hour seven days a week. From 2 to 6 p.m., you get a dollar off any of their 28 craft draft beers. Yes, you heard me correctly. Seven days a week, $1 off from 2 to 6. They have an amazing menu. They are almost done with a beautiful renovation on their patio. It's a great spot all around. Again, that's the handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft beer and film. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Hi, guys. Welcome back. This week on the show, our review of Come On, Come On, a new movie from writer-director Mike Mills, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Woody Norman, and Gabby Hoffman. It's a tender drama about family dynamics and the simultaneous fragility and resistance of human beings, and a film that, not to give anything away, is almost certainly going to be in my top five of 2021. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration in any part. Uh, both beers this week are coming to us from Ennegrin Brewing Company by way of Spike's Bottle Shop. They're a second timer on our show and a more part California-based brewery that focuses on German-style beers with a strong emphasis on lagers. Uh, the first beer is an installment in their Rotating Hop Pilsner series, this time featuring the Glacier Hop. And the second is called Baltic Maple Porter. You guessed it. It is a beer carbonated on maple syrup and lagered on sugar maple wood spirals and clocks in at a rambunctious 9.1%. <laughs> yeah, this week we'll also be briefly unpacking the Academy Award nominations, which were announced on February 8th, with the ceremony itself slated for a March 27th, I believe, 5 p.m. kickoff. We'll do our best to give you a rundown of uh, the contenders and at least a few of the quote-unquote major categories before really unpacking them, as well as our predictions in a later episode. And if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. Unfortunately, you won't be hearing this episode in its entirety. You're only going to get the first half. You get the first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Come On, Come On. Yeah, Johnny, but if they wanted to hear the full conversation, which includes spoilers for Come On, Come On, our review of that second beer from Ennegrin, the Academy Award nominations, and, Johnny, your absolute favorite part of our show, Hot and Bothered, where could they go? Is there a place where they can find this episode and maybe the rest of the 250-something episodes of Fresh Hop Cinema? Absolutes. They can go to Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc., anywhere you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every single Friday at 7 a.m. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and or a review. It helps other people with like minds as yours discover our show. Follow us on Instagram for photos of our beer and movies and fun stuff, letterboxed for film reviews, and untapped for beer reviews, all at Fresh Hop Cinema, or check out our website, freshhopcinema.com. Right. So next week on the show, we're going to be covering a film called Red Rocket. It's a new movie from A24 and director Sean Baker. It's the story of Mikey Saber, a washed up porn star plotting his return to the big time from small town Texas. If you want to be super prepared for next week's episode, Red Rocket is currently available to purchase on major VOD platforms for about $12.99. If you see it, or if you've seen or drank any of the things we are discussing on the show today, you can email your thoughts to fhccast at gmail.com. You can, you can type them up. You can send us a voice memo. Either way, we will read them or listen to them and might even play them on the show next week. You there. Do you like bars? Do you like hanging out? Maybe with me, maybe with Max. <laughs> 
Check you like this po- podcast, even. I mean, you're here. You have to like it a little. Uh, you should check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. That's where you can help financially support this show for as little as a buck an episode, four bucks a month. Uh, that's the bare minimum, uh, and that's good enough for me, gosh darn it. And with that Patreon subscription, you get bonus content every single week of a varying degree of intensity and flavor. You're going to get all kinds of events. We've been doing some bar hangs. There's going to be some backyard hangs maybe at my house this yeah. summer if you guys are so lucky. Uh, we're going to the movies this month. We're hanging mm. out at a bar. There's so much fun stuff happening. It's roll- It's February, but it feels like spring. Uh, I'm stoked to be doing events. I want to see all of our patrons there, and I want to see new faces there. So uh, if you love us and you're already on Patreon, talk to a friend about it because this is not cheap, and we appreciate the support, and it helps keep it going, and it helps give us the ability to give back. And really, we pump so much of our money back into just throwing you guys fat parties that, like, it's kind of dope. Like, I would support me if I wasn't me. So right. you guys should think about like, it. Like this show isn't cheap, but fortunately Patreon is. Like you can mm-hmm. you can spend like four bucks a month and it really does, like you're saying, dude, it goes most of it, if if not all of it, to some extent, goes back into the show. So uh, it's a cool way. Yeah, if, if you enjoy sort of the thing we're doing or you just want to help out a couple of sad sacks that like movies and beer, it's a pretty um, financially affordable way to do that. And you get stuff back. So if you've been considering it, maybe now's the time. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. With all of that housekeeping out of the way, dude, it is time for beer. I'm stoked for beers today. You picked them out. Um, But tell me about the first one. What are we drinking first? Absolutely. We are doing the Rotating Hop Pilsner series from Ennegrin Brewing. It is the Glacier Hop Pilsner. It's a 4.8% pills with a 35 ranking on the IBU. Do you want to tell me what they they had on their website? Uh, What's that? Do you want to tell me what they had? (laughs) You can if you want. Um, You might want to sit down. It's going to take a while. (laughs) This is a single hop Pilsner brewed with Glacier hops. Yeah. So I looked on their website. That's actually from Untapped. Um, Oh, really? There was nothing. I think it's part of the fact that it's just a rotating series, so it's probably coming and going pretty often. So I did a little bit of digging, and I figured the very least I could do is maybe tell people about the Glacier hop itself. So if you don't know, Glacier is a dual-purpose hop with a well-balanced bittering properties uh, and a pleasant aroma profile kind of first came onto the scene in 2000 when it was developed through the Washington State University breeding program. Glacier hops flirt between a few notable flavors. Hopefully we'll be noticing some woody aromatics, some citrus, herbal notes. Um, Glacier hops are also known for their subtle and hoppy aroma, which leads me to think they might be a fairly distinguishable choice in a single hop pilsner. I don't know. Um, We both really enjoy the previous iteration, like I think we said earlier, of the rotating hot pilsner from Ennegrin. Uh, If anybody does want to go back and listen to that episode, we released it just about a year ago on February 5th, 2021. Uh, And then for anybody that doesn't remember or doesn't want to go back and listen, that version of this beer featured Willamette hops. Johnny, you gave it a 9.1 out of 10. I gave it an 8. Both very high ratings, which gives me very high expectations going into this revisit. Have you poured this version of this beer or tried it yet? I have poured it and tried it. Oh boy, man. Uh, Energigrin is a personal favorite, so I'm, I'm going to try and remove some bias, but just you must know that. I love this brewery. I was very pleasantly surprised when uh, the owner of a local bottle shop actually did some dock sales and was able to bring some back uh, from direct from the brewery. They, cool. they approved the sale. It was a really, really neat thing that happened. So having access to this just down the street, uh, I was giddy with delight. So that being said, getting into this, loved the first one. How does this one fare? Well, it's it's crackery. It's peppery. It's got 
the crushability and just the the effervescent, just quenching factor of a Pilsner that you want. Uh, and I wasn't super familiar with Glacier Hops, but I really like what it's doing. I love like that pepper, like I said, peppery, crackery. Um, I don't get a ton of the wood, but the Mm-mm. citrus and herbal notes, like for sure. Um, really like kind of that pithy backbone. It's a little bit more bitter than you find with normal, not, you know, maybe dry hopped Pilsners. Sure. This is a, a highly drinkable beer with a robust and emphatic hop presence like i love single hop beers and especially when it's a pilsner because there's not much else to hide behind so you really get that hop pushed directly to the forefront and it lets you fully evaluate everything about that hop if you like it if you don't you're gonna know so uh, i think i'm a pretty big fan of this beer thus far Uh, i'm really enjoying it have you sipped yeah i just did i'm i'm right there with you in terms of the crackery and peppery qualities I would go, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's not a whole lot of um, the the wood, the what was what was the flavor descriptor they used? Um, woody, <clears throat> yeah, woody aromatics. Um, it's super herbal, like herbal spice comes to mind. There's a ton of pepper. Um, it's wildly carbonated. I would say more so than your average pilsner, but it could be that I haven't had a pilsner in a while. But I'm I'm pretty sure there's there's more carbonation than usual. And the other thing that I've noticed on a first drink is the pretty intense lingering bitterness on the back of my tongue. Are you getting that at all? Yeah, I am. And I kind of like that. That's what I was saying with almost peppery. Yeah. I hear sure. you off mic clean, clearing your throat a little bit. Is that because of that beer and that bitterness? or is it's that A little just... bit, man. Yeah, it's that and the fact that I was maybe snacking on a poppy seed muffin about 20 minutes before we started. But, you know, <laughs> just a little peek behind the curtain there. I haven't eaten much today. So that it could have been one of the two. That's fair. You have to stay fed. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I like this beer. I do love that spiciness. It's it's unique. I wasn't expecting it. That's Mm-mm. for sure. That was, uh, huh? Yeah. I I think it's really it's not subtle. There's no great nuance to get into with this beer. It's very straightforward. Mainly the nuance is going to come from just familiarizing yourself with a new hop variety, which I I'm enjoying doing quite a bit. I think I'm going to drink some more. Yeah, I don't think this beer is going to be a great unifier. Unlike, I remember the the one that had the Willamette hops being a bit more straightforward, sort of right up the middle in terms of maybe universal beer craft beer drinker appeal. And this one does seem a little bit more divisive just in that sort of, um, yeah, you know, spicy peppery quality. I don't know that it's got the same sort of quenching factor that a lot of Pilsners do. This is not something that I would always reach for on a warm day. I think it'd have to be in a very particular mood. And I don't know if that's reason to dock points or anything. It's just a particular flavor by design and i don't know if it's one that i love yeah it's got so much more of an aggressive punchy bitterness than a lot of their other beers and it is just that hop you know it's got a ton of dryness on the finish and very almost grapefruit mixed with you know zeshwan type situation happening on the aftertaste uh some really interesting like just crackling like pan roasted to open them up fresh Mm. peppercorns yeah uh but it's it's good I'm going to agree with you. It's not as tremendous and as outstanding just because it. I was not expecting this level of, of bitterness and hoppiness. It takes away the the reachability. You know, I don't want to reach for this beer again right away because it did leave my mouth feeling a little bit dry. Yeah. You know, whereas most of the time the Pilsners and the, the things that I have from them are very much so like I'm having a hard time not drinking all of it immediately, like in one or two sips. Uh, so it, it, it did pump the brakes on how much I'm going to quaff this bad boy, Yeah, yeah. but it's, um, 
it's still tremendously made, and I think I like it a lot more than most Pilsners on the market, but that is a specific hop flavor that I would have to have a very specific want to consume again, I think. Yeah, there's. I'm sure there is a time and a place for a Pilsner with a little bit more layers to it, a little bit more nuance, and I just feel like it's an expectation sort of thing. So I agree with you. I don't think it's a bad made beer or anything like that, but it is such a niche flavor that I would, I would just need to know that in the future going in. I think it would pair nicely with some certain dishes. I'm not sure what those are. But maybe like, you know, um, I could see this going well with a sort of mellow steak dish with a, a sort of like a rice on the side kind of thing. Nothing too spicy. I think that would be a, a bit of a uh, conflict there. But I think it's good, man. But it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't hold a candle to the Willamette version for me personally. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I would totally get down with this with like some Korean barbecue with some sautéed mushrooms, something like that. Okay. Get some of that umami going, just really accentuate that earthiness. Yeah. I, I love it, um, but it's nowhere near the Willamette. And I love it because it is just so, it's still smooth and crisp and enjoyable. It has all the the bones and the characteristics of an Ennegrin beer, but with, and, and this is probably why this is a rotating hop. They, there's a reason they don't make all their beers with this hop. It's an experiment. It's sure. fun to try. Uh, let's try new things. I was bummed that this hop didn't actually glow, grow on uh, a glacier. Sure, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's it's I love it, but it's fine. So for me, I'm gonna rate this now. It Please feels do. like a like a seven three. Seven point three for me. It is a six. Once again, you are listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on possibly KZFR ninety point one FM on a Thursday evening. If you get the chance to try the rotating hop pilsner from Ennegrin or any beers from Ennegrin, really. We want to know what you think, so please don't hesitate to reach out. If you post a cute picture of yourself drinking it on your Instagram story, tag us at Fresh Hop Cinema. We love to share those things. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. Or if you're enjoying the show, remember, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Next is a trailer for this week's movie, Come On, Come On. But don't worry, there's no spoilers in this upcoming segment. To visit planet Earth, you'll have to be born as a human child. At first, you'll have to learn to use your new body to move your arms and legs. You will learn to walk and run, to use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment, and wonder. You will grow up, travel, and work. Over the years, you will try to make sense of that happy, sad, full, always shifting life you are in. And when the time comes to return to your star, it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. Say you're crying. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It will be available tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. on all podcast platforms. What you just heard was a trailer for this week's movie. Come on, come on. Max, please tell me more. 
Well, I borrowed this synopsis that I thought was pretty well written from somebody named Caitlin Quinlan. She uh, wrote this for anothermag.com, and she says, Come on, come on, follows a radio journalist, Johnny. Shout out. I, I don't think we've had a movie with a main character named Johnny uh, ever, have we? Yeah, there has been not nearly enough, and I take personal <laughs> offense. Uh, Johnny in this film is played by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, he plays the somewhat distant yet loving uncle to young Jesse, played by Woody Norman. Johnny is called upon to look after his nephew by his sister Viv, played by Gabby Hoffman, while Jesse's father struggles through a manic episode. It's a tall order for Johnny, whose work takes him across the country and whose ability to help him, even himself, let alone a child, is questionable. Yet in becoming a surrogate father figure for Jesse, he begins to open himself up to a new world of engaging with love and compassion for a family he needs more than he knows. This movie release was at Telluride Film Festival in September of 2021. It opened in select theaters on November 19th of the same year. Then it became available on video on demand beginning in late December. This film featured original music by Aaron and Bryce Dessner. It ran one hour and 48 minutes. The cinematographer was Robbie Ryan. You will know from the Meyerowitz stories, Marriage Story, The Favorite, for which he was nominated for both a BAFTA and an Academy Award. Okay, Johnny, thank you for the wonderful uh, snippets of facts. We had talked about this movie, at least it, this was on my letterbox list of movies from 2021 I wanted to catch up with. And a lot of those are sort of like, not been released for, you know, the average public yet, or we're not sure when the release dates are going to come. So when we figured out this one was available, I was elated. What did you know about Come On, Come On before we decided to see it? Zero. Okay. Then what did you expect going in, if anything? Uh, a Joaquin Phoenix movie? I don't know. And it seemed more of, I heard it was A24, Joaquin Phoenix. Sign me up. Right. It was, uh, you know, I got the impression that it was something of a more dramatic bent. And the last thing that I really remember him in was the Joker. So it would be nice to see him oh, yeah. flex his acting muscles in a more traditional, straightforward type drama situation. So that's pretty much all I expected. Okay. What did you think? Well, I was absolutely blown away by this movie. Spoiler alert, I really, really, really loved it. <laughs> you can't say um, spoiler alert if it's not. <laughs> like, we're in an actual place where you could spoil stuff, so you got to be like, oh, yeah. no, not real spoiler it's a, alert. No, it's a, it's a, I'm give, playing my hand too sure. early. I loved this movie. It was a movie that centered around the relationship between an uncle and his nephew, but it dealt with so many issues of a broad, broad variety. I mean, just from from Joaquin Phoenix's work in this film, which we'll get into after we give our, our initial thoughts, because that's more plot related, uh, just all of the, the quotes from the children and his interactions with his own nephew, and it, it covered all these topics that I didn't expect out of this movie, like mental health sure. and the state of the world and you know, equity and in, in living situations, all these things. And it, it boiled down to all of these global issues being seen through the eyes of Joaquin Phoenix and this young boy, Jesse. And then you have, you know, seeing Joaquin Phoenix and Woody, I'm going to, what was his, his, that was his name, right? Jesse. Jesse. God. I'm going to call them by their names, Johnny and Jesse. Okay. But just seeing all of these things filtered through the lens of their eyes, all while trying to essentially formulate their own relationship, was fascinating and profound and thought-provoking. And I just I soaked up every minute of this movie. It was so multifaceted and layered. I've watched this two and a half times since we decided to watch it because oh. it was one of those that we could only purchase on Vudu. And thank God it was because I'm going to be watching this again. 
it was so emotional and moving, and I just loved the performances by both the you know the actors that played the characters of of Jesse and Johnny. They were so just genuine and honest with each other. It was just such a refreshing movie to watch. I mean, stuff like this is why we dig deep. We find these little hidden treasures so you guys mm. don't have to watch garbage movies. Like we'll do it for you <laughs> to find and find these little hidden gems that I swear to God, everyone should watch this movie. Yeah. I think it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it start to finish. It's, Max, it, yeah. what did you think? It's great, man. Um, I sort of spent sort of a long day. I'm here um, in, in Reno performing and, and I didn't have a chance to really organize my notes, but I've got about four pages of like scribbles that I took because this movie is just, uh, uh, there's so many different things that it's trying to address from stuff like you talked about mental health and sort of motherhood and family dynamics and the state of the world. I think an important thing to point out here is that um, Johnny, the jo Joaquin Phoenix character goes around, he's, he's a, a radio producer and he interviews kids basically and just sort of asks them questions, which is so funny to me because about two weeks ago, I was in Washington and I bought a book on a whim at Barnes Noble called Becoming Better Grownups by uh, Brad Montague. And oh, wow. he, he's a guy that literally went around the country interviewing children to get a better perspective on how kids thought of the world because adults are always like, we know everything. But his questions were like, well, you know, if you could teach grownups one thing, what would it be? And it's like, we want them to listen more. And the fact that that sort of lined up in this movie and is a constant through line for how he is seeing the world and how we see the world through his eyes, just was the strangest coincidence I had that come across really, in a very long time. That's wild. And that makes me wonder, because that question that was posed to a child in the book, I was almost verbatim posed by Joaquin Phoenix to one of his subjects in this movie. Yeah, I looked into this too. It was not inspired by that. Though, little fun fact for you, um, all of the conversations we see with Joaquin Phoenix interviewing those kids are unscripted. What? And they are not actors. Those are kids, and they got permission from some of these schools. They were some in Detroit, in New Orleans. These were real conversations he was just having. And I feel you can no feel that authenticity way. in those moments, which makes it even wilder because some of the answers those kids give, maybe this is just being a dumb, detached grown-up, but seemed way more insightful than I thought I would get from a kid. And, and I, now that I'm saying that out loud, it just speaks to probably some ignorance in my half. Like, of course, kids observe the world and have legitimate thoughts, but seeing it in a film like this and then knowing that it was sort of not scripted was just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that changes like my respect for this movie because they were so poignant and well-thought-out ideas and and dreams and thoughts that these children had. I was like, wow, this movie had some great writing. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do like the idea that like on the cutting room floor, there's probably just tape of kids being like, I want to make the whole world bubblegum. <laughs> I'd be Superman. <laughs> um, anyways, the point is that's one facet of this film that, that really worked for me. And there's so many parts to this thing. And it's, it's just so emotional and a beautifully shot movie. We're sort of on a, a, a run now of black and white movies. Last week we did the tragedy of Macbeth and we spent a little bit of time talking about the use of black and white in some of these films. And, this one's, this one's weird. Something hit me while watching it. And I think what it was is the subjectivity of black and white. Like, you know, bright colors in movies sort of influence us to feel certain ways depending on mm -hmm. the situation. But black and white is so subjective. Like, it, it almost functions as sort of a, a color palette Kuleshov effect where you, you have to project your own feelings about the situation, which is why I'm glad you mentioned um, the folks that did the music for this, Aaron and Bryce Desner, because it's so evocative and really puts you in those spaces. And I love just how much we get to travel and explore different places like Los Angeles and New York and New Orleans and Detroit. And it just adds so much. And you get to see these different cityscapes shot in black and white in very different ways. 
And it was way more mm. dynamic than I expected uh, a black and white, a straight up black and white film to be, which seems ignorant also, but they really nailed it. The look of this is fantastic. Shout out to, again, cinematographer Robbie Ryan. Looks gorgeous. I agree completely. Uh, you said something, before I give my take on the, the black and white, mm. you said something about a, a Kublai Khan effect or something. <laughs> the Kuleshov effect? Uh, please elaborate on that because I have no idea what you just sure. said. Sure. There was this, we've talked about it before. There's this guy who, um, I can't remember what his profession was, but he sort of did an experiment with people where he would show them a uh, like a an image of something like a set, like a like a coffin or something like a slide like a, like a you know like a sketch of something and then mm-hmm. he would immediately then show them another slide of a neutral face and he did this in different scenarios where the first image would change but the face was always the same and he'd ask the people what is that face projecting to you what what are they feeling and without fail they would sort of push their own, like if they just saw a casket, they'd be like, well, it looks sad. Or if they just saw a rainbow, like it looks happy. And it's our sort of innate human nature to, to sort of project meaning onto things that maybe don't have them inherently. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's absolutely what they were doing. I do not remember that conversation, but I like that, uh, effect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really, really effective. I think it was the black and white in this movie, I mean, we've done Belfast, we just did Macbeth, and yep. now this one, and there's been more in the past, you know, even some that had parts black and white. You know, you wonder what the purpose is. Is it going to get tiring? I forgot this movie was in black and white yeah. because it takes your focus away from everything else but the characters and the dialogue, and I think it was a really great way to focus the attention of the viewer where it needed to be focused in this movie. Yeah, uh, dude, I completely agree. They, that's, the other interesting thing is that a lot of these movies we've covered in black and white are not set in present day. And I think that mm-hmm. makes it even more of a move because I think black and white's a pretty easy shorthand to be like, it's an old time. You can tell because there's no color. But to set something in modern day and then still have it be in black and white and still have that be as effective as it sounds like you and I both think it is, is a feat in and of itself, I think. Yeah, I was massively impressed. Overall, just a, a superbly put together film. Yeah. Do you have any complaints? No, uh, no, (laughs) but I do have a couple more things. We're going to be running short on time here for our radio listeners in just a couple of minutes. So I I think once we do move on into the danger zone for our podcast listeners, there's not a ton of stuff we'll need to spoil. Um, So I don't necessarily feel like I'm holding out on that, but there's a couple of scenes I wanted to shout out that were really great. Um, Number one, it happens maybe, uh, you know, two thirds of the way through, I think. And Jesse is talking about he does this thing where he sort of change he he pretends to be an orphan and talks to his mother that way as sort of a way of coping with his situation and his emotions he's nine so whatever kids have quirks and about two-thirds into the film he's giving a speech because joaquin phoenix's character asks him what was your mom like little orphan and then he describes his mom and it's intercut with footage of his mother and it is the most beautiful sort of homage to motherhood that i've seen on screen in the past year <laughs> Right. I love the use of literature, uh, you know, ne- kind of read, recited by Joaquin Phoenix in this movie mm-hmm. to kind of overlay some of those scenes like as well. There was one where he read, I don't remember if it was part of a novel or poems, but it was a, a bit about motherhood. Sure. And and what the role of mothers and, and it had footage of, of her with, with Jesse and it was yeah. just, it was beautiful, man. Like just downright beautiful. Yeah, I like how much space is in this, both visually and sonically. Like in some of those, I mean, obviously the music, but also the narration you're talking about sort of gives everything you're seeing time to breathe and you can really mm-hmm. steep in it, which, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, another, I had a, I wrote down a quote. I even paused it to write it down right. It's a scene where they first get to New York and 
Joaquin Phoenix is allowing, um, you're right, it's easier to go characters, isn't it? Johnny is allowing Jesse to sort of use his recording equipment. And the kid's sort of like moving the shotgun mic around. So he's like, can hear him, but then he can't hear him. And and Johnny's like, you want to know what I love about recording? And then he tries so hard to emphasize what some of us who record stuff, like I think it's really cool that we record stuff. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. And it's really hard to explain that. And he says in the movie, what I love about recording is it's cool because you get to keep these sounds, right? You make these like mundane like things to be immortal. And that's cool. Which is like right up there with how poorly spoken he is when he tries to explain what an abortion is. But Mm -hmm. in this case, it really worked for me. Like that sort of connection they have. He sort of talks to him like a contemporary and not totally as a kid. And their relationship in general is great. But that quote was the first time I was like, that's cool. This is great. Right. Absolutely. Um, for now, dude, are you okay with giving it a rating? (sighs) I don't know how this movie can't be a 10. I could not, uh, disagree less. So (laughs) that's a 10 for me as well for come on, come on. Once again, you've been listening to fresh hop cinema, maybe on KZFR 90.1 FM. Come on, come on is currently available to purchase on video on demand on most major platforms. Uh, If it had the sorts of effects on you that it had on us, or you thought our opinions were just blah, 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 (laughs) blah. Let us know. You can find us on social media at fresh hop cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com for film reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. And to our KZFR listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM, People Powered Radio. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes a few spoilers for Come On, Come On, a brief overview of the Academy Award nominations, and a review of our second beer from Ennegrin, plus the electrifying, sensational, and always exhilarating Hot and Bothered segment, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. And to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app, we will be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Hey, welcome to the Danger Zone. That is the part of the podcast. Uh, by the way, if you've come over from the radio and you're just hearing the podcast for the first time, welcome. It's the second half of the show. The Danger Zone is typically where we spoil the movie, um, but for a number of reasons, uh, and I will list them now. Number one, I don't think that plot spoilers are super important into understanding the power of this film. And number two, it's not super widely available just to rent. Currently, you have to purchase it. Um, and not everybody wants to spend 15, 12 to $15 on a film. They don't know if they're going to love when they could probably rent it on March 1st, which is when I believe it comes out. So I think because of that, we shouldn't spoil too much of it. What do you think? That's fair. And I agree that there's no plot points vital to your understanding or my review, uh, that really bear massive importance. So yeah. Right. Uh, but I will say to your point, uh, if you are a trusting person and you know me and Max's taste in movies, yeah. we don't we don't give out tens all willy nilly. I hate giving out tens. Sure. It, it makes me mad admitting something's perfect because then like what else can be that perfect? But you know they have to happen sometimes. But yeah, buy, buy a ten. Okay, if that's the only option that's you want to watch it now, it's worth it. It's twelve bucks on Voodoo right now, yeah. which is like one of the easiest apps to stream movies on ever. Yeah, um, it's highly accessible. PC, smart TV, phone. Please don't watch it on your phone. Whatever. Yeah, that's that was a movie elitist thing to say, but it's true. no, it's Damn not. It. 
No, don't watch on your phone. It's there's. But don't watch. Dude, I would watch. I would watch Spider Man on my phone. I wouldn't watch this on my phone. Well, if I had to choose which one to watch on the phone, for sure, Spider Man. But like, you guys, we're living in like the technological apex of humanity. You have theaters. You have big TVs, at least with speakers and like a whole thing. Just don't default to watching things on your phone. I think that's that's about as soapboxy as I'll get. For sure. But I would just do just buy it for sure. Buy it. It was worth yeah. the 15 bucks. It's this movie between me and Max has already been because we share a voodoo account. It's yeah. already been watched four what, times, three times, yeah. three and a half times. Uh, yeah. And I watched it the second time with headphones because I really wanted to get Dude. deep into that yeah. sound design. It was the move. Yeah. So I did mine on, on these earbuds that I got there from the company Shure, who makes um, some really great studio quality stuff. They're these wireless uh, headphones I've never had before. Never had wireless headphones at all. But um, my wife has, and hers, she got for like 30 bucks at Target. And I put them in one time. I was like, these sound like trash. And then I got these for Christmas, and they sound fucking great. <laughs> nice. Uh, so same thing. Yeah, the sound design is brilliant. It really sucks you in. Um, okay, so really quickly then, come on, come on. The name of the film comes from a couple things in this. I love when it first hit me. If you've ever talked to a kid or had to bargain with a child, and they're just not understanding your logic, you're just like, come on. <laughs> You know, like, come, come on, on, man. And I, about 30 minutes in, I started tallying on my notes how many times Joaquin says that to the kid. And I've got nine. Nine of them. <laughs> he's just like, come on. Like, he's trying to get a toothbrush. He's like, come on, man. Just get a toothbrush. And you can't, you can't, you can't rationally argue with nine-year-olds, I don't think. No. Uh, so I wanted to say that. I'm just looking at my notes now. What, what do you want to talk about here? I mean, there was a few scenes that were really felt like key moments. The mm-hmm. scene where they're, you know, lounging around trying to get sleepy and yeah um it, it he johnny finds out because uh jesse's asking him about his mom what he was like as a child yeah and he's like i heard she had a lot of boyfriends and jesse's like i heard she got an abortion <laughs> and it's and johnny's like what it cuts away to him like talking yeah. recording his thoughts on this after and he's like what the fuck do i even say to that right i didn't even know about that so like, and then it cuts back to him trying to explain it, and I just loved it's that so scene. Good. Felt so genuine, and it was so not a grown man talking to a child. It was absolutely a conversation between two peers, and I loved that. Like just trying to explain that whole situation after just finding out about it, and it's your own sister. Yeah. Um, to her child, uh, it was just such a powerful scene, and the way that conversation was written and acted, it was that scene was one of the more pivotal and then there was one later in the movie that felt kind of like uh an apex of the film for me where they're essentially screaming at each other God, so in a good way uh outdoors at like central parker i don't remember if they're in louisiana at that point but um that scene had me bawling um yeah yeah it was so powerful and uh yeah it was just unbelievable i don't want to spoil that i don't think i don't know if it needs spoiling it's sure. just it was so you have to really have the context and the build-up of the whole movie and their relationship mm-hmm. like this movie really grows vertically a lot of movies you know grow horizontally and do this big world building thing but this is a very horizontal growth in these two characters relationships and that was one of the top floors i think i meant vertical at that time you said horizontal but i know what you meant yeah you know what i meant um, you guys know i'm an idiot so just words <laughs> Um, yeah, dude, that was a scene that I kind of referenced earlier. I think I mentioned like an abortion, but it's like the first couple nights he's had this kid back in, I think in New York at this point, or maybe his mom's just been dealing with dad and they're on their, I think it's in New York. And like, he's so tired. He finally gets his kid to bed 
And like the kid comes in and it's just like wired on sugar. And then he's like, so he's like half asleep. And and then yeah, Jesse starts talking about like my mom had boyfriends, what she like as a kid, I heard she had an abortion. Like, can you imagine being that tired? And like, yeah, and like you're saying, like a kid telling your sister that telling you of your sister she had an abortion, and then like having to explain. And, and I almost feel like it wasn't peer to peer. It was almost like a sort of immature, unprepared adult talking to a more mature kid kind of, and they met in the middle. Like that's sort of right. the thing between these two. They go back and forth on sort of who knows what's up and what's going on and how to process their emotions. And I love that dynamic to the yeah. point where, where I think later in that same scene, he's still trying to get Jesse to bed. And the way that it works is Jesse's like, do you want to know how my mom puts me to bed? And then Jesse puts Johnny to bed. Mm-hmm. And it's the most tender, like sweetest little scene ever. Yeah. It's so good. I know. It was so good. It was perfect, man. This movie was just, I didn't know I needed it. Yeah. And and I did. I needed it so much. It was so good. I, I can't state that enough. Yeah. Last one that I want to shout out. There's a scene where um, Johnny's reading to Jesse in bed. And I think the book he's reading is called... Um, little Alien or no, Little Star? Yeah, it's Little like Star Child or something like that. That sounds right. <laughs> I was watching this today in my hotel room, sort of like hunched over my desk with my headphones in watching on my laptop, like as close as I could get my face to the screen without hurting my eyes to sort of emulate a a movie theater. You know, like normal people watch stuff. Absolutely. But so he's reading a scene and it's, and it's all sort of about, or he's reading this, this page and it's all sort of about how long life is. And one day you'll forget about all this and you'll forget about where you came from and who you are. And it's very, very heartbreaking. And I'm starting to cry. So is Joaquin Phoenix. And he gets called out by the kid. Kid goes, you're crying. And I've never felt more called out by a kid in a movie <laughs> for crying at the same time that the character crying who is being called out is being called out. And I almost was like, is somebody watch? Is this, is, my, is this a Truman Show moment for me? But it was, yeah, it was that in the end scene you're talking about, like just real tearjerkers, man. Yeah. I loved their conversations. I loved their relationship. I loved the way they spoke to each other. It was just, it was one of those movies uh, took me to, to segue from what you just said. I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to watch it again for sure. I think it's well worth the purchase like you were suggesting. But for now, I'm pretty good on Come On, Come On, uh, as long as you are. Yeah. I'm a little bummed out that I'm not seeing it in any of the Academy Award nominations that we're about to cover. I know. Um, Tell you what. I, did it come out too late? No, because it came out at Telluride in September. Um, yeah, same time around the same time Belfast did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's not nominated at all. I didn't. We don't have a comprehensive list in front of us. I think we have five categories, so we can double check them. I think we'll probably squeeze in like we like we do annually, traditionally, a, a full nomination breakdown episode at some point in the near future. Um, and hopefully it gets somewhere because this yeah doesn't deserve to be overlooked by any means. But you know, also like there's a bunch of movies that uh, were overlooked in favor of Don't Look Up, which I have some major problems with. So who cares? It's the, it's the Academy Awards. It doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Academy Awards, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So are we just, we're just going to do a rundown of the nominations and kind of maybe give some brief thoughts. But do you want to make predictions right now? No, I think we should save that because I want to put some thought into this. Oh, okay. And I also want to see more of them. Right. So that's let's start off with the best picture nominations. There are we're back to 10 this year. I think it was sort of up in the air for the past few years, and they've brought it back to 10. Of the following 10 nominations, we have covered in some capacity six of them on this show. And I promise if it's feasible, if if they're available to me or Johnny, we will one of us or both of us have covered all 10 of them by the time the Academy Awards come out 
so that if you're one of those people that likes to hear people talk about stuff that you haven't seen or you want to see it and hear our thoughts, we will have those done, I'm going to guess, two weeks before the awards on March 27th, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. That's okay. plenty of time. Yeah. So, Johnny, give me the 10 nominations, please. They are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Yeah, the ones that we haven't covered on the show, West Side Story, uh, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, and Drive My Car. Um, I think it's an okay list, man. I'm still sort of going back, and I, I think at this point I have about 28 films from 2021 I still need to see. So I've got some work to do. I just saw Licorice Pizza the other day. I won't talk about it now because I think we're going to dedicate some time on a real episode to talk about that when you get a chance to see it. But I think overall, okay list, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a couple that I think don't belong. Do you uh, want to call time? Out? Yeah, I don't know why Nightmare Alley is on this list. Yeah, at all. I don't either. At all, uh, and I I need to watch. Don't look up for myself, but just based on your review, that seems like one that could have been replaced by something a bit more uh, poignant. Or, but I don't know. I need to watch it because it is yeah. somewhat topical. But I think you had a lot of of gripes with it. Uh, it is interesting that a movie that was uh, released, it wasn't, was it exclusively on Netflix? Yeah. Cause I know it. Okay. So like a Netflix movie is mm. nominated for uh, best picture. I think that might be the first time that that's happened. Dude, actually with the exception of a few of these, most of these movies, I think aside from like festival releases, like went to streaming services. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Dune went to HBO Max as well as wide release. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I mean. A combination of either streaming and release or just streaming. Like, I think Coda mm. didn't hit many theaters aside from a limited that went straight to... Uh, Apple TV Plus. Was it that? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of that this year. It's going to be a big year for streaming services. Interesting. So we we need to do a little bit of homework, yeah. less than historically though, which is nice. I'm I'm most of the way there with the best pictures. Yeah. So let's get into actors in a leading role. We got Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog, my boy Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, and Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, haven't seen being the Ricardos, haven't seen King Richard, but the other three. Luckily. Great. I believe, sorry, yeah, I believe uh, being the Ricardos is on Prime Video for free to watch, if I'm not mistaken, so yep. that one's easily accessible, and then I will double check to see if King Richard is still on HBO Max, but yeah, we got a good head start on those as well. Uh, for actress in a leading role, unless you had more to say about nope, actors, nope, nope, uh, all right, on to the actresses in a leading role. We have Jessica Chast... Uh, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. Jessica. Jessica, yeah. her name has more syllables now. You're welcome. Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Blind spots, have, top to bottom. Yeah, I have. I know of um, Being the Ricardos. Sure. I listened to Pop Culture Happy Hour on it, and then I watched a trailer for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, but I think Tammy Faye's on. Hulu. I don't know. That one's easily accessible, but all the other ones, yeah, major blind spots. So homework to do there for us. Yeah. I, I had Spencer on my radar too, and then I haven't seen it anywhere, but I haven't been looking for it either. And the only other one that I've really been dying to see is Parallel Mothers, which is a film by Pedro Almodovar, who a couple years ago did one of the films that ended up in my top 10, uh, Pain and Glory, starring Antonio Banderas. It was fantastic. I loved it so much. And I, I need to I, watch that. Yeah, dude. Oh, it's great. 
Um, okay, let's move into directing then. You got Kenneth Branagh up for Belfast. Um, you've got, I hope I get Ryosuke right. I'm sure that's what it is. Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Uh, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. And Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, making her the first ever woman director to be nominated for two Academy Awards for directing, by the way. No big deal. Total <laughs> badass. Uh, the first one, of course, being The Piano, which we talked about when we uh, briefly covered some of her films in uh, our Power of the Dog episode. Yeah, exactly. And for cinematography, we've got Greg Fraser for Dune, Dan Lostson yep. Lost Lost for yeah. Nightmare Alley, Ari Wagner for Power of the Dog. <laughs> Just do it on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno Del Bonnell <laughs> for uh, the tragedy of Macbeth and Janus <laughs> Kaminsky so for like, West Side Story. Oh God, it's like the stack of like, I mean, they're not, none of them are crazy. If you had read this list once, I think you would have gotten it. But like of all five of those categories, easily the, the most trepidatious one, I think just happened. Yeah. So still a little bit of homework to do there. We've gotten a f- most, actually we've all we have to do watch is West Side Story out of that category. Yeah. Are, what are your thoughts? Are you looking forward to, are you going to see West Side Story? I think you have to at this point. I mean, I have to, I was not pl- planning on it otherwise. Yeah. Not really a you kind of movie. No, but I also was like, I should watch that after we watched, um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I know he, he kind of cited that a lot. There was a lot of references to West Side Story in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. That makes sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'll watch it. I'm less less begrudgingly than in the past. Fair enough, and uh, less begrudgingly than in the Heights, probably. Another yeah, movie that's going to make probably my top. Well, I don't know. I got to get my shit together, but probably top 20. I kind of just love. I love that movie. Uh, I forgot that movie existed. That makes sense. Um, okay, so that's a little little sneak preview of a little snackety taste of what we'll be talking about on an upcoming sort of bonus episode to our main feed um, in past years. I think we've kind of we've either always done a prediction episode where we fully break down the nominations or we've done uh, sort of going over the results. And I'm hoping this year we'll get to both. I agree. I think it shouldn't be a problem. We just got to just stick with it. Yep. Um, okay. That's enough Academy Award mumbo jumbo for now. Let's get into beer number two. Uh, what are we drinking? So we are drinking another beer from Ennegrin. It is Baltic Maple Porter. Again, it's a Baltic Porter. Big surprise. It is a 9.1% ABV beer with an IBU or International Bitterness Unit rating of 50. So this one is going to be a little bit more bitter. Mm -hmm. The info I've been given on this beer is as follows. This rich Baltic-style porter has a complex malt profile with hints of toasted bread, caramel, and mild smokiness, naturally carbonated with maple syrup and lagered on sugar maple wood spirals, which I would love to know more about those. Uh, This beer will keep you warm during the cold winter months. I appreciate you acting like you didn't know what that is. Maybe after I read this next bit, you can tell me what the sugar maple wood spirals are. But I'm going to read you something from beerandbrewing.com back in 2017, just in case anybody's not familiar with the style of the Baltic Porter. I know we've talked about it on the show a bit, the one that comes to mind is when we talked about Secret Trails, uh, Baltic Porter, a couple years ago. But for any people um, with, uh, I guess that makes it long-term memory loss, porters were the working man's beer in 18th century England. After a tough day at work, the Englishman would stop by on his way home and grab a pint of his favorite dark beer. But then when England introduced the style to the Balkans region of Europe, which is sort of like northeastern uh, Germany, kind of, the people fell in love with the style. However, most brewers in colder countries brewed with lager yeast, not the ale yeast used for traditional porters. These creative brewers used lager yeast and began brewing strong 
stronger and stronger versions of the English porter, creating what today is known as the Baltic porter, which is still a popular style in many European countries. In the past few years, the Baltic porter uh, style has grown in popularity in the United States with many breweries brewing the strong beer. And uh, as U.S. brewers are wont to do, they took a style known for being high in alcohol and made it higher in alcohol. (laughs) How very American. Very American. Uh, you got some info for me on what the heck you just said this was uh, lagered on? So sugar maple wood spirals mm-hmm. make beer taste delicious okay. because they're made out of the sugar maple tree. Uh, and that is a, a delicious maple-flavored wood because it is a maple tree, so it makes sense that it would taste like maple. Uh, and obviously sugar maple, they're going to have some sweetness. They uh, Basically, if you're familiar with the process of staves or spirals mm-hmm. that are made out of oak and charred and used in the aging of either spirits or beer when you can't get your hands on a barrel, Got it. it is a much more cost-effective, like by a fraction of the amount. You don't get quite the robust character, but you do get definitely the idea and a very strong notion of what's happening. So it's it's a substitute, but it's a somewhat to mostly adequate substitute. I've never had anything that's been done on actual like maple or sugar maple wood spirals. So I'm really curious to see how that affects this the Baltic porter. I almost said border. Border. Yeah. Do you think this border. is this has got I wonder if it says on the can, but I wonder if it has any actual maple syrup or if they've very traditionally just aged it with those spirals. And I bet you we can probably tell just by tasting it. But um, on on the note of tasting it, pun intended, what do you yes. taste? Uh, I'm sorry. I just want to add to that. It, it does. That is how it was naturally carbonated. Oh, that's right. You good? Yeah. We said that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and what happens is they uh, reintroduce some maple syrup for the yeast to eat, which turns into carbonation, I think. Sure. No, that's alcohol. I don't know. They put it could some be the syrup. One, yeah. They put maple syrup in it, and then it gets bubbly, and then I drink it. That's what you need to know, because that's how much I know specifically. (laughs) We tried to pull it off a little bit. The point is, Anagrin, if you're listening, please clarify for us. We'd like to know uh, what we said right and what we said wrong. But what we will say that you cannot tell us we are wrong on is our opinions of this beer. And I actually haven't taken my first sip yet. So if you have, my friend, uh, lay it on me. I have. This beer is, is really pleasant. It has nice carbonation, which really adds to the mouthfeel. This it looks thin. It kind of pours thin, but it's got an excellent like flavor profile and body. Like it's a really pleasant drinking experience. It has like, tiny little bubbles. I don't know why, but maybe the natural carbonation. It just makes it feel almost creamy. It's almost it's got, got a nitro kind of thing, huh? A little bit, yeah. It's really nice, and it's not. I'm not a fan of smoked beers. I mean, by and large, yeah. there's definitely been exceptions, but the rule for me is those are a big no. So I was you know, filled with trepidation getting into this, but it is really lovely, subtle maple that's not overpowering, which is nice because maple is a flavor that can overtake a beer with it's just, it's a such a robust flavor. Plus the, the sweetness can just get in there and be like, hi, this is all you're going to taste for the next, you know, maybe four hours. I'm looking at you double stack. You love double stack. I do, but also you can only taste pancakes for the rest of the night. Uh, it's great because I'm a fat kid and I love pancakes, sure. but still not what you want if you're going to try other things or if you want maybe more of a subtle, natural flavor. Because real maple syrup, not that sweet. A lot of people think it is. It's super not. Uh, but I love what it did to this beer. It, it really softened it in a way and made it super approachable. And it has just enough to know it's there, but not overtake it. And I'm 
really surprised how much I like this porter. I'm not usually a big porter guy, especially when you get into the adjuncts. You know, there's a few out there that I really love, but by and large, I mean, like, if you're almost there, just be a stout. That's how I usually look at it. But being objective, this is just really pleasant to drink, and the flavor profile is is just not really in your face too much in any way, but just super sippable and gets the point across from what they were trying to do really well. I'm, I'm digging this beer. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the just be a stout kind of thing, because I think that's sort of what a Baltic porter is. It's like it's like a, a, a lager's stout. Like, I, I let me get my initial thoughts here. This is good as well. I agree with you. Um, it's super, super roasty. It also, yeah, like you said, it pours really thin. It doesn't drink terribly thin, but it's not nearly as viscous as a huge imperial stout would be, which again is kind of the point. I don't also know if I've had a Baltic porter that doesn't emphasize chocolate in the way that this one seems to just kind of dodge that. There's no chocolate here really, which is, which is fine by me because the maple is sort of front and center. And I agree with you that maple can be this sort of take over the show kind of thing and leave you with just that, just sugary, sweet maple. I think the name of the game here is restraint. And I think being able to do something uh, as relatively speaking, sort of restricted as this beer is, I think the people to do it are probably Anagrin. It's, I mean, they've clearly proven that they can do very sort of traditional German beers and things that don't require a ton of, maybe not require, things that uh, you are not able to lean on those adjuncts to hide imperfections with. So mm -hmm. I think my personal taste on maple aside, this is probably as close as you can get to a beer this uh, tasty and this well-made. And I think if if I don't enjoy this, which I'm, I'm not sure I don't, but if I don't, I don't think it's by any fault of the beer itself. I think this is also very, very well-made, as was the first. Are you kind of teasing me with you don't like this beer? <sighs> I don't love this beer. I, I don't dislike it. It's It's kind of ended up middle of the road for me. Um, okay. I need to take a second drink, um, and see kind of more on what the, uh, the middle to aftertaste of this has given me. Cause the first was okay, but nothing to write home about just yet. Interesting. I'm curious. Cause yeah, I mean, everyone's palate's different and that's what makes this show rad is that we just, we're giving you our hot takes. We're not, you know, speaking for the masses. Sure. So yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I think it's got a nice balance. I love what the maple does to it. Um, I'm super stoked that it's not too sweet. And I love when breweries are super good at one thing like Ennegrin is. Yep. I mean, they murder the lager game. They're the best lager brewery on the West Coast. Uh, and then second place for me would be Wayfair up in Portland. Oh, nice. But uh, maybe third would be uh, our boy Charlie over at Ronin. I'm really loving oh, the pills yeah, that, that he's making. Oh, man, so good. Yeah, but I mean, still, that's that's some lofty company. So shout out, Charlie. Didn't know you were going to get brought up on this episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not a bad shout out at all. Um, but I, yeah. um, to finish that real quick, I love when breweries are so just brilliant and have mastered their craft in one lane. It's always fun to see what they do, like if they make a stout. Like it's so weird when breweries known for IPAs like start a barrel program. Right. And you're like, um, I trust you, but I'm scared. You know. So it's interesting. I, I, it's interesting in that they branched out so kind of out of left field and I think they did it real well. Yeah. I mean, I guess tell it's, me, go ahead. Tell me why you disagree. No, I don't disagree. I think you're right. I mean, though, to some extent, I mean, it is still a lager. It's in, it's in the tradition of German lagers to some extent. So it's not like they made an Imperial stout, which would be even more so out of left field. But yeah. after, after a second drink, I, I really do sort of like the counterpoint of the smokiness that happens right on the end. 
because I think that's partially what's keeping it from being too sweet because it's sweeter on the front than it is on the back. Mm -hmm. And I do enjoy that it's not so aggressive and in your face and that it is showing some restraint in terms of the maple. Like maybe I've just been conditioned to expect something huge. In fact, I'm sure that's true. And I'm usually pretty quick to complain about that as well. So it's not that I dislike this beer. It's just the combination of all the flavors I'm getting are not something that I love for my particular palate, but I think it's pretty good. I think it's really, really well made. I think personally, it's pretty good. Excellent. Well, that's that's fair, man. Every beer is not for everybody. I, on the other hand, am a well-documented maple enthusiast, and I'm going to go ahead and say I really love this beer. Okay. It is something that I would drink again. I'm probably going to go back and buy some more because there was still a full shelf. Uh, and also, probably one of the sneakier, uh, easy-drinking 9.1% beers I've had in a while. This oh, yeah. drinks like a 5 or a 6% beer. So the fact that you're getting a pretty significant bang for your buck, if that sort of thing matters to you, I think that's a, a pretty strong factor. Because, I mean, it is a tasty, tasty beer that will get you there a little bit faster than most. You've told me the bang, 9.1%. What What was the buck? I mean, I think for all four of the beers I bought, it was like seventeen bucks. Safe, so that's pretty good. Were these more expensive yeah. than the uh, than the Pilsner? Yeah, by like a dollar or two. All right. So yeah, maybe like maybe four or five bucks a can, depending on which one you get. Yeah, one hundred percent. The the Baltic Maple Porter was under six bucks. Great. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty harmless buy if you're going to go for that. I I would disagree with you slightly on the ABV. Uh, estimate you gave, I would have pegged this at like seven or seven, five, because there is quite a bit of weight on my tongue after I drink it. There's a bit of that alcohol weight that happens. But other than that, it's fairly inconspicuous. I agree. That's fair. And I just took another sip out of a uh, kind of a rocks type glass so I could mm. get my nose way up in there. And it does have a decent uh, a boozy nose. It super does. It. Yeah. But man, I dig this beer. I think I will stock up on this because this this would be one that if I'm going to have one beer a night, which I've been trying to do, you know, yeah. I'm trying to not drink it all during the week. Sure. But if I want like one beer, this would be a really like it is a treat. <laughs> sure. I feel like that's a little bit like saying, you know, I'm not really trying to get drunk. So I'm only going to have one 13 percent alcohol tonight. I don't know. One one drink a day, but it's a four <laughs> it's local a bottle of yeah bourbon. Uh, no, I take your point. You're, you're totally right. It's a great beer to have. Uh, do you want to give me an out of 10? Out of 10, this is uh, 8.9. Very, um, very high. This is a fantastic beer. I don't know why an 8.9 is more upsetting to me than like an 8.5. I feel it's just, it's so, so close to the cusp of something new that it's like, you could have almost broken through. What would have made it a 9? Hmm. Or a 9.1, I mean, just to be consistent yeah, with the alcohol. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think if you tone down even the initial sweetness just a little bit more and up the roastiness, just for my personal taste. Yeah. Uh, it is really saccharin, like sweet, uh, almost like a simple syrup sweet, not yeah. a maple syrup yeah. sweet yeah. on the front. And if I just had more real genuine maple vibe, um, and I know they did put real maple syrup in it, but I don't know. I'm not a fan of sweet beers in general. I really don't get down with dessert stouts. Uh, there's far and few between that I actually enjoy. So I, I'm always going to lean towards saying, make that sweet beer just a little less sweet. So that that's the glaring thing for me. But that's such a personal preference that I don't know if it really matters to anyone else, but it matters to me. Uh, okay, well, I've got, um, I think it's a, it's a five for me, man. Holy guacamole. It's like totally fine. 
I also, I was going to try to make a joke by also mispronouncing the phrase uh, few and far between and trying to say far and few between like you just did, but I couldn't tie it in in time. And weirdly enough, I thought your phone cut out. So then I got distracted. So now I'm just telling you it's a five. Okay. Um, it's fine, man. I, I, I don't want it again necessarily. I'd happily drink it again if someone gave it to me. I don't think I'd seek it out. It's just not my, uh, not my bag for the most part. It's not your bag. I'll take the whole bag. I will take yeah, the money and run all yours. right into Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, everybody. This is part of the show where we talk about what's got us excited or bummed out for the week. We call it Hot and Bothered. Welcome to it. I'm going to go first. Do it. Uh, let's see. If you are an avid follower of this here podcast, you will have probably noticed in your feed on Tuesday, February 8th, a new episode uh, from us. And by new, I really mean old because it's an episode from 2016. And it was me sort of, or us rather, uh, I guess I just did the, the technical part of reposting it, but it was Johnny and myself going down to one of our favorite spots in Chico, Burgers and Brew, and having a chat with the late, great Miyagi Pocock. Mm -hmm. And it, it recurred to me, because we, we lost him about a week ago, and it occurred to me that we had this episode somewhere. And there was just something about, about hearing his, I listened to it, and there's somebody hearing his voice sort of in Burgers and Brew that just evoked... You know, so much emotion and memory, and and to some degree, that's him in his natural habitat as I knew him. I got to know him through this show and talking beer, and um, the recording sounds like shit, and like, it's just terrible, and we're just bullshitting for like an hour, but it was this really sort of cathartic way of processing a little bit more what's what's happened. Um, so that's got me hot a little bit for, for a relatively bothered situation. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, uh, it should be available, and it was it was nice and the the opportunity to sort of have that same emotional connection to him i was one that johnny you and i wanted to sort of extend to other people i think that's great and i look forward to revisiting that we sound so dumb we just sound like idiots i think I love it we've been doing the podcast i think so it was episode 8.5 we've been doing it for like two months and uh yeah, we just, I can't remember even the circumstances why we went down. I, I managed to delete the first 20 minutes of the episode while we were doing it. So like we missed the intro, but it was it was still just great. Just us kind of palling around. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I look forward very, very much to listening to that. I love that. I Did you preface that as a hot or a bothered or both? Kind of both. And I that was the thing that I was thinking about during, during um, Come On, Come On, is that stupid quote that he says. He, he's like, well, what I love about recording is cool because you get – to keep these sounds, right? Like you make these, this sort of mundane thing sort of immortal. And and that's true. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, there, there's like video, like everybody has little video clips of themselves or their friends on their phone, but I think it gives you snippets of sort of moments. And yeah. granted, in, in the span of a lifetime, an hour is the equivalent of a moment, but we got a full hour of just talking to him and, and it, that exists forever, which I think is very yeah. poetic and, and really great. Yeah, I love that. I love that we're going to post it on the main feed. Yeah. And everyone should enjoy that, revisit it. I don't care how dumb I sounded. Right. Any time spent talking with him, I know I was having fun. Yeah. And uh, that's all that matters. And yeah, to have that forever, I will treasure that. So thanks. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, man. What you uh, what you got this week? Um, I've got, obviously, um, still dealing with that loss. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a bothered. That's a no-brainer. Um, 
there's just, you know, a lot of negativity and sadness and pain in the world. And I've been trying to focus, uh, putting out positive energy, kind of just, you know, Hey, if I can make someone smile today, I'll have done my part and, uh, kind of just doing that, you know, that's how Miyagi lived. That's yeah. how I always try to be. So been kind of trying to do that. It's been working pretty well and it, it has a way of cheering yourself up by osmosis. Um, but in, to keep with tradition of our entertainment theme, sure. I have two things that the trailers have recently dropped that I'm very excited Ooh, for. Ooh, I want to guess one, but okay. why don't you uh, save you, the one you think I'm going to guess and tell me the one you think I'm not going to guess. Okay, I'm going to tell you the one you are not going to guess. Great. It's called Our Flag Means Death. Okay, no idea what that is. Yup. This is a pirate dark comedy <laughs> series directed by your boy Taiko Waititi that's oh. coming out on HBO Max this year. And the trailer just dropped not that long ago. It came across my work desk uh, fairly recently. And oh boy, I am so here for this. It is, uh, it's going to be ridiculous. Imagine just Taika Waititi as a fully decked out pirate with a beard yeah. and a sword. Uh, it's everything you're going to want out of that. I'm just super geeked for that. So I don't, I'm trying to find exactly when that's going to drop on HBO. I will update you cause I'll, it'll be in my hot or bothered, uh, as this episode start dropping. So that was number one trailer. Uh, and yeah, Max, what was num- number two? Number two is the Northman. No, fuck. It wasn't. Have you seen the Northman no, trailer? I have, and it looks absolutely tremendous. Right, I just I saw can't. it for the first time in the theater when I saw uh, Liquor Speeds. Oh. It looks, man, it looks good. But I'm bummed it looks that I was so wrong. good. And the cast on that is unbelievable. <laughs> I, know. I think it's safe to say we're both super geeked to cover that movie. Yeah, I'm f- glad to see Bjork's coming back on the acting scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've, I've been missing it. Um, absolutely. But what did you see? No, the second was the, uh, we got a character trailer for The Rings of Power. Oh, that's the cool. Amazon Prime series coming out, uh, which is a prequel to the Lord of the Wing- Rings first trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said Lord of the Wings. So this is about the eagles? Yeah. What they, they were doing until they went to Mount it's, Doom? <laughs> it's Eagly's origin story. Yeah. That's from, uh, what sidekick was that you just told me about? Oh, that was from, um, 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 oh God, uh, Peacemaker. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to talk about Peacemaker or Boba Fett until I do a full season wrap. Okay, but. so Lord of the Wings, go. Yeah, Lord of the Wings. So we got a character trailer which shows um, basically the hands of all the characters holding their respective weapons mm-hmm. and just a little bit more teasing happening. Like they're, the marketing that Amazon Prime is doing for this is absolutely tremendous. It is so captivating. Like I'm so pumped for this show already and it's, I believe, going to drop in September. But oh. uh, the more that they tease me, the, the more excited I get. But one last thing is a show that I'm actually watching uh, that is available to watch right now on HBO Max called Somebody Somewhere. It's listed as a comedy drama, and I think that's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one season. We have three episodes available now, and then they're going to do hopefully more. Uh, I I just looked it up, and it said there's three episodes and one season. So I... There better be more than three episodes because I'm going to be very upset. Uh, but if not, uh, it was well worth the watch. Sure. But God, I can't imagine. it. They left it at such a... Yeah, no, there's mm-hmm. got to be more. That's In any ways, uh, it stars Bridget Everett, who has been in a couple things that I don't really recall ever covering with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got somewhat of a familiar face, 
but it's it's set in this small town in Kansas, and it's this kind of a family drama, dark comedy about loss and grieving and substance abuse and fitting in. And it's just such a well-written and well-acted kind of character study, quirky, buddy comedy. Uh, it's It doesn't feel cheesy. It definitely feels more like an indie series, something I might have seen on like IFC. So I'm stoked that uh, HBO Max is putting out kind of a very broad, diverse array of content. And uh, I've been really enjoying it. I'm caught up on all three episodes. And that has for sure got me hot this week. Well, speaking of HBO putting out a diverse array of content, I've been watching a show on HBO that covers loss, grief, substance abuse, and fitting in called Euphoria. I have not been able, I haven't been in a good enough headspace. Don't do it. Don't. Euphoria season two. It's, um, I started episode three last night, which is like, I'm also not in a good enough headspace to be watching this. I don't know what I'm doing. It's some weird self-flagellation sort of whatever. Um, I avoided, (laughs) I watched about five episodes of Breaking Bad my uh, junior year in college. And I turned that off because it was too stressful. And Euphoria has got it beat by many, many levels. And like I just keep seeing snippets because like I think they just dropped the fifth episode of season two and like people in groups that I follow are like, that was the most fucked up shit I've ever seen. I'm like, man, I, I've said that about every episode I've seen. And like, it's yeah. just so like, I don't know. I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm having a hard time uh, justifying watching some of it. It's like, is this just sort of emotional torture porn to some extent? Like there's so much trauma and violence and like meanness in it. Yeah, and I've heard and read a lot about the second season, and it seems like it doesn't have that, uh, I don't know, that it factor. It's hard mm-hmm. to put my finger on it, but the 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 poignance maybe or like the depth of thought as the first season, like they took the first season and took the parts out of it that are the most shocking and then turned it up to 11. That's really the impression that I've gotten. You mean like kept, kept the parts that are most shocking instead of, you said yeah. took them out, but like kept, took oh, everything yeah. else they out? T- took, took them out and then just made them bigger and I more see. of it. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment from what you've seen? Yeah, man. I think part of the appeal for me for Euphoria season one was that it was kind of a new story, obviously. Sam Levinson is to some extent a pretty visionary director. He he also did Malcolm and Marie, which I think was his first time doing a, a film. And he's got some vision when it comes to to directing and cinematography. And there's some really cool shots. And I think in addition to the sort of traumatic and shocking stuff you're talking about, there's that, but there's also like cool shots. And I think, yeah, a lot of what made the first season appealing to myself and a lot of people is sort of the character study and dealing with the sort of inner workings of the minds of some of these kids who have pretty troubled lives, but it does seem like they've exchanged that for trying just to up the stakes every single scene. And it's just starting to feel a little bit hollow and, um, yeah, uh, masturbatory. If you were to masturbate with a chainmail glove with razor blades attached to it. So definitely not just something that could fucking show up in euphoria. Probably. Uh, Yeah. That's the season finale actually. (laughs) Yeah, so not as not as poignant and thought provoking and new and and interesting and engaging because that was all the things that made me gravitate towards the first season, um, and those scenes there were definite scenes of you know some violence and some yeah. shock value type stuff in the the first season, but it was it was secondary to the plot progression and and the character development and it the impressions that I get are is that they're just leaning too much on the shock value. And it's just not as good. And that's sad because the first season was was fire. Uh, I will watch it eventually when I'm 
ready. But like even watching the first yeah. season, Shalina started it because I recommended it for so long. But I'm like, that's a show I don't want to watch with anyone else. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't know. It's just so intense. Like I don't want any dialogue between the person I'm watching it with. Like it was the first season was I was locked in. Heavy. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's so heavy. Like I don't it's just it was a personal experience that I was going through with that show. Like and I didn't want to share it. But I recommended it and she watched it all in like two nights and then uh has not had yeah. any desire to watch the second season. It's such a a thing, man. It puts you in kind of a real dark place. And if you're prone to needing to see other people be in darker places than you to feel better, it might work. But if you're, you know, an empathetic person at all, it it puts you through a ringer. And that's why I liked the first season because it, you know, it it put me through the ringer and made me feel really deep things. But um, don't necessarily need that right now. Need to feel less deep things, honestly. Yeah, I'm sort of aware of the hypocrisy of me like watching this and also I, th- I think it's got an addictive quality, maybe <laughs> pun intended, I yeah. guess with euphoria, like uh, to some extent, this is me, a euphoria drug addict telling you don't do crack. You don't need to see the second season. I don't think, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to add much to your life. Certainly. Um, I don't know. Do you think the first season did? Mm, I don't know if it added much to people's lives, but it had something to say which I think is important mm. in a show that is going to put you through so much stuff. There needs to be something to justify it. And I'm increasingly losing faith that the second season has that. It's kind of like watching a movie that, what was it that you watched recently that was basically torture porn that, oh, it was um, 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 Lovecraft County. No, it, the, I where like No. Where the, the, the ends didn't justify the means and it just became too much torture porn and the payoff didn't balance it out. I don't think I said that about Lovecraft Country. I don't feel that way about you, that show. You said it about something. That's probably true. Uh, but no, Lovecraft Country was fairly... Oh, you know what it was? I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was called... It was produced by Jordan Peele and it wasn't called Us. I think it was called Them. It was an Amazon Prime show about a black family that moved into a white suburban neighborhood in the 60s based on based on something. And man, that was terrible. Okay. Yes. It, I think it was called them. I could be wrong. I'm not going to Google it, but that's exactly the situation. Yeah. Like God, I could have swore it was Lovecraft. No, no Lovecraft country. I didn't finish it, but to my recollection was pretty fantastic. Okay. Well, you said it about something. So I'm going to yeah, look it up. The point- I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm sorry. You do, can keep talking. Yeah, do it. I would love to know that because I mean, that really, you kind of hit the nail on the head talking about euphoria is that that first season really did have something to say and it made it feel worthwhile when you were watching it yeah. and after it was done. And if it doesn't have that, but it still takes me to such emotional depths of just darkness and gloom and, you know, crushing sadness, it, it's totally not worth it. Like no. you have to have the payoff. You have to have the other side. Like whether it's a death and lessons learned from that or, you know, something has to give, there has to be a balancing of that scale. Yeah. To, to I agree. Uh, it was a show called them by the way. Um, okay. And I looked up an article that I remember reading and, and the title of the article is them is pure degradation porn. It's a, a scathing indictment of the show. It's a great article, but yeah, like don't put me through that. If there's no payoff aside from the, the just watching people suffer, what's terrible, yeah. what a terrible thing. Yeah, I mean, there's lessons to be learned from that, but uh, I, I'm here to be entertained at the end of the day. You know, I don't, I don't sign up for a show to learn moral life lessons through just 
negativity. Come on, guys. Well, so, but like Schindler's List, great example. Great film. True. Terrible stuff happens in that movie, but it's yeah. got something to say. It's it's trying to yeah. It's it's shedding a light on something in a different way that I'd say ninety nine percent of people in America believe happened. Yeah. So then that's there's a problem right there. A lot of problems. That percentage is too low. We're getting into uh, we're getting into bothered's pretty hard here. Yeah, exactly. We could get on and on about that, but yeah, that was my last thing was uh, somebody somewhere and not watching Euphoria. And sounds like we're on the same page with that. Yep. So if if you do watch more of that, I want to hear. Like if you finish it, let me know. But yeah. uh, in the interest of your mental health, as your doctor and lawyer, I per, uh, <laughs> prescribe you to not watch that. That seems fair. Uh, okay. Well, you got anything else this week, dude? I don't think so. I think you did a good job today. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> great, I, great work. Thank you very much. You as well. Good episode. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Uh, you already teased next week's movie, Red Rocket, which hopefully you know something I don't, that that's going to be available. Oh, that's right. That was going to be available like yesterday. Yeah. It's, and it's only available to purchase right now. You can wait to rent Red Rocket if you want. It won't be available to rent until March 1st, but if you want to, uh, be informed in our conversation next week. You can uh, purchase it on, we'll probably use Vudu because we share an account, but I think it's also on Amazon Prime and YouTube and uh, that might be it. Yeah, you can find it. Google it. Um, we don't know what beers we're drinking yet, but we no. will okay. know at some point and we will just probably tell you on air next week. I think it's probably the plan. That's the best time to do it. <laughs> that's uh, that's all I've got, dude. All right, man. That's Max Benardi. And that's Johnny Summers. We love you guys. Uh, be sure and drink whatever beer makes you happy. Watch something with a point to it. That makes you and, happy. Uh, <laughs> that makes you happy. Uh, quite frankly, I think you should watch Come On, Come On. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, if you take one thing away from this show, uh, it's okay to disagree as long as you have a good conversation. And always, always, always be good to each other. We love you and we'll see you next week. We hope you enjoy. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.